You know, on Palm Sunday, if you could only imagine what was taking place, Jesus is actually taking, the, taking a trip from the city. Long story short, he's coming in on a colt of a donkey. And as he's coming to town, everybody's just shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, so this king, so the Messiah, he's showing up. And what they had no idea, they, they thought that they were getting ready to have a coronation for the king that when Jesus stepped in just like that, he's overthrowing Rome, over. Man, Jews get the victory. Kingdom's going back to where it needs to go. Let's do this. They're having a party. But what that week did is it, it kicked off a week that nobody saw coming. Um, they, they thought they were gonna have a, a coronation, but it, it wasn't a coronation. In fact, um, things, well, if you're gonna ask anybody else to make a decision on what took place, it's, they'd say things, things went horribly wrong. Like, I mean, we, we were gonna crown Jesus king and hold on a second, what's going on? He's, he's being arrested. He's, he's being with, I mean, a king does not get humiliated like, like Jesus is, is getting humiliated. And then there's the whole thing. They, they march to the cross. So, so he, he takes this procession into Jerusalem. Everybody's shouting Hosanna. It, it's amazing. He takes another journey just a few days later. This time he's going to the cross. And it's weird because everything shifted. There's nobody shouting Hosanna. In fact, it says that he has a, a lot of, of women who are following him. They're weeping and fine. And they're like getting out of control to the point where Jesus says, okay, knock it off. Like, you know, the, this, this has to happen. Because of his weakness, he, he bows into the weight of the, of the cross and they, they pick a guy out of the crowd to carry the cross for him. He goes to Calvary. He dies. Nobody saw that coming. And I would, I would say this, the three days later when he walked out of the tomb, nobody saw that coming. I mean, you talk about just being, it's just whiplash going back and forth. How in the world does, you know, does this happen? Well, you get past the resurrection and I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. You get past the resurrection. We get to the book of Acts. Jesus shows himself about 40 days. There are over 500, around 500 or so people that have, have seen him alive. He goes back, but he gives the disciples this new responsibility. He says they're to launch the church. And so they launch this, they launch this church and, and everybody is, is really fired up because on the first day that they launched the church, like there, there are nearly 3,000 people that get saved. And then like a few days later, it's, it's 5,000. And then it just keeps growing and everyone's like, hey, this is amazing, man. The church is, is kicking tail and taking names. You know what I'm saying? It's like, let's do this. But then, then persecution breaks out. They find, it's not so exciting to be part of the church when you're, you're getting stoned, uh, like not stoned with drugs. Like some of you are like, hey, I get, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like literally you're losing your life. And so the, the church spreads, but this is part of God's plan. Because when, the church, when the, the church goes, the gospel goes with them. And like these little congregations are, are, are showing up all over the place. In fact, there's, eventually there's this, this church, it reaches all the way to Rome. This is at, this is at the heart of the power of everything. And, and literally right here on enemy territory, 
This is, this is crazy. The, the, the church, there's a church that, that is launched. And so Paul is writing to this church. You, you see, a lot of times when we think of the gospel, and, and in Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8, man, he just lays down the beauty of the gospel, the problem of sin. And if you are here today, you know what the gospel is, man. It's just good news. It is good news that we've got a problem. We can't, we can't change ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. But man, the, the, the cool thing is this, that, that God, because he loves the world so much, and by the way, when he says the world, it's like us. He loves us so much that he sent his son he dies for us. And, and that death, it was actually the only thing that could appease the wrath of God. There's a long story behind this. Long and short of it is this. Because of what Christ on the cross, we actually can have hope. We can be forgiven. Not our works, his work. Our, our faith is in Christ's work. And so this is the message that's being preached everywhere. But, but here's the crazy thing. When people get changed and people get saved, it, there, there is something internally that's happened. It begins to... to impact the external, but the reality is this. We still have baggage that we're carrying around. Now listen, I'm carrying a suitcase and some of you like invited somebody and you're like, Dude, our pastor's weird. Like literally just hang with him. We'll get past the suitcase thing. Now listen, there's a point to this. All right. There's a point to this. So first of all, I'm just going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that one of the most underrated inventions across the years are those suitcases that have the giant wheels because you remember these kind of suitcases with these wheels? Remember these? Like literally, try, and, and some of them even had a strap. You ever try to get something like this followed? Look. Like literally, that's what this suitcase does. And so here's the thing. Lori and I got married. They didn't have the cool suitcases yet. In fact, we, when we got married, I didn't have a suitcase. And, and shortly after we got married, I had to take a, a business trip to Baltimore and the only suitcase that we had belonged to Lori. And it was like in this I think it was like an 80s or 90s thing where it had like a carpet feel to it and it had a floral pattern. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I, like when you're going on a business trip, that is not what you wanna be carrying. But I had to take a lot of, a lot of stuff with me and, and literally it was loaded, it was heavy. And, and so here was the thing, not only like when I picked up my bag, there we'd flown to Baltimore, I picked up my bag, I'm walking, and it, this, this was before 9-11, you had to walk forever, you get, I get to where I'm, where I'm going, and man, by the time, I feel like Gumby, you need Gumby, that whole thing where like my arm is down there. These things were heavy, you just had to carry them. And you, you felt the weight of this, in fact, like for the next half hour, I just felt like I had to do this to my arm, you know? Here's the thing, I use this as an, as an illustration because all of us, even though we've believed on Christ, Christ's work on the cross, we still walk around with baggage. And, and this isn't necessarily sinful baggage. I'm just talking about, we're different. I mean, look at the person sitting next to you right now. They're different. I'm just telling you, look at them. And, and, and so we, we're different in so many different ways. There are, there are many things that, that make us distinct. And what happens is, is when you get a group of, of different people together, I don't know, man, you just, sometimes, you ever been around something that it just irritates you? It happens. And so what we have is this church being like, the, the church, everybody's like, oh, this is amazing. Man, we, we love what's going on here. And like after, after three months, like, yeah, I hate this person. Like literally, I mean, y'all been saved. But we, we, we got this. And so, so Paul in, in Romans chapter 14 is, is he's addressing the fact that we've got some baggage. Now, we've been here in, in Romans. We, we started out like two or three years ago. We've done this series. We'll do, you know, a segment here, a segment here, a segment here. We're in the third segment in our series through Romans. And, 
And we've got to where the rubber meets the road. He, he's introduced the glorious theology in Romans 1 through 8. He's talked about this, this, this rub. Okay, what's that mean for, for Israelites? What's that look like for Gentiles? But then he, this is where the rubber meets the road. And so like there are some people when you're around them, you can tell that they're fired up about something because they spend a lot, a lot of time talking about it, right? Like I talk about Thailand Express way too much. Like and you're like, man, we need to eat there. They're closed on Sunday. But um, I, I just, like, I walked in there this week for lunch, and, and, uh, <laughs> and it was Kate or one of the, the girls there said, this is officially now the Pastor Keith table here at Thailand Express. I'm like, thank you very much. That's what I'm talking about. Now, we, we talk about what we think is, is, is important or something that we like. And, and Paul, he's talked about the, the importance of our minds being transformed. Be, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But then he goes on to, to break down, this is how we're, we're, we're to contribute as the body of Christ. This is what the body of Christ looks like. He breaks down you know, seven verses on what it looks like to respond to authority, to the government, and that sort of thing. The end of, of chapter 13 talks about being ready for the Lord's return. But then he goes on, man, I don't know how many verses, 35, 40 verses. It's Romans chapter 14, about half of Romans 15. And he's addressing this issue. What happens when different people get together? How should we then live? Especially when he's addressing an issue. They're, they're, they're these people. They, they have different views on things that are in the church. They, they've come to this body. They have baggage. Well, he begins in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 1, by saying this, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So it's like, okay, so weak in faith, what's, what's he talking about? Well, he, he breaks this down in, in, in the next verse, and then also in verse 5, there are two issues that, that people are disagreeing about in the church. First is this. He said, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. I'm like with a strong guy. I mean, I like veggies, but seriously, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not vegan. Um, and so, so there's that. Verse five, one person esteems one day is better than another while another esteems all days alike. So, so here's the deal. The, the church is made up of all these different types of people. Like, like there, there, there's a group here that were raised in Idaho and there's a group here that was raised everywhere else. Can we just make it real today? Here we go. This is good. Like, well, we don't do things that way here. That's not the way we do things in Idaho. What are you screwing up our state for? Listen, I've been here 18 years and I still hear that. You know what I'm saying? Now, here's the deal. They, you know, like, like the Gentiles, they're the ones who apparently are stronger in the faith. All right? They're, they're strong in the faith. Because the Jews, don't miss this. There's the weak in the faith, the strong in the faith. They both have faith. They, they both have faith when it comes to the most important thing that Christ saves, okay? So the, when they say weak in the faith, it's not, it's not that they don't believe that Christ saves. It's just that the, the Jews, they're, they're like, man, what do we do with all these laws that we grew up with? They've got this baggage. What do we do with all this, this stuff? Do we just stop, you know, responding to the dietary law? You know, we had all these sacred days made holy that God said that we're to honor. What, is, what does this look like? Because Jesus said, it's not what goes in that makes a person unclean. Peter, you go to Acts chapter 10, he has this vision. It's not food that's the, that's the issue, but like, what do we do with this? Here's the thing, the Jews, it's not like they're, they just want to be legalistic for legalistic sake. They're just genuine. They just want to follow Jesus. What does it look like to follow God? What's it look like to really do this? Gentiles, on the other hand, like, I don't know what your big problem is. Like, seriously, 
I like steak. Give me some steak. I mean, I'll eat, I don't have a problem. Where do you have a problem with steak? Look at it. Cook it medium rare. That's the way, you know, and, and they have no issue. So there's this, there's this battle going on. The Jews, the Jews are getting offended because these, these Gentiles, like, I don't know what your big deal is. They're, they're kind of condescending. Like, what? What's your deal? Why are you making a big deal about this day? I mean, Gentiles are like, man, all, day, all days belong to the Lord. Here's the thing. It's like two worlds are colliding. You know what happens when two worlds collide? Well, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Like I went to college and got a roommate. Anybody have a roommate in college? Let me see your hand. Okay. Here's the deal. Man, like the first three weeks, it's awesome. Life is great. Man, this is just great. We're away from home. We're celebrating together and all that. It's wonderful. And after a while, you're like, man, this guy's, he's a klutz. This guy didn't clean his room. He doesn't do things the way I do it. Literally, here's what happens. When you, when you, when you get a room, I, in fact, I remember this, this, this one roommate, I gotta say this, if, if they're watching, you don't know which roommate, I, well, actually, you'll know who I'm talking about if you're watching. But um, one, he, he, he just like would destroy the room like a cyclone came through it. And listen, man, I'm, I'm not like I'm a clean freak, but I'm like, I don't like things cluttered. And so we'd have the RA that come in chain. And one day he's like, dude, if your room's still trash like this, I'm finding you, what was it, five bucks. And so I just drew a line in the room, put all his stuff on one side. My side was over here and he came in. He said, okay, five bucks. You guys are fine. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. I said, this is my side. That's his side. You find him. Don't you dare find me. I had some bitterness towards this boy. <laughs> you get married. Come on, worlds collide. You just assume that everybody does Christmas the same way. It ain't going to happen. You know what one of the most important things I cover in premarital counseling? How we're going to split up the holidays between families because that will cause some angst your first two years of marriage. I'm just telling you right now. Right? That's right. So the reality is this. The reality is this, man. We all have that. It's not necessarily sinful baggage. We just have different customs. We have different traditions. And, and, and we usually assume that our way is right. And the Apostle Paul is, is, is addressing this because what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus did when he walked out of the tomb, what he did when he launched the church, it actually is not some theoretical construct. It literally matters here. It matters here. Did you know that, that Jesus, what Jesus said to his disciples is still true today? They will know that you are mine by your love one for another. And so he's like, man, we got we to address this. This is an issue. And so I don't know what's going on, but there's some judgment condescending going on because in verse 10, the apostle Paul asks this question. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? And, and man, some, he, he like, they take it another step. He said, or you, why do you despise your brother? And so here's the deal. We got this issue, the, the food and the in the days. Now, by the way, just so you know, it's not always the, the Gentiles who were strong because like in a sister passage, you go to 1 Corinthians 8, it was the Gentiles here who were weak in their faith because they'd been saved from paganism. And, you know, they, the, the sacrifice, you would always sacrifice meat to the idol. And they had this idea that, that the idol still had powers. And so, man, if they knew that that meat had been sacrificed, and they thought, that, thought there was some power. Well, Jews were like, well, that's not an issue at all. So it's, the, the issue is we, we all have our different things when we were, were weak or stronger in some area. Those areas in which we're just trying to figure it out. What does it look like to live this way? But I think a lot of times what happens is we, we, we make assumptions, we make judgment calls based on why a person is doing this. And so I'm just going to talk about this because I think if it, if it was an issue back there, I think it's still an issue here today. 
A lot of us, we just want everybody to look like clones. And that's just not the way it's going to happen. Because what Jesus is, is doing and what Jesus will do as, as he grows us, is, is, is as we grow in knowledge, he's, he's going to start unpacking some of the baggage that we carry around. But he's going to do it at different levels with different people. Specifically when it comes to disputable matters. Now, I'm not talking about the, the, you know, the hardcore things. I just want to talk about what do we do with the baggage? What do we do when we don't see eye to eye? Because I'm going to just have you write down this reality. It's, it's true. And I know this is going to be shocking to you. Like literally, this is going to blow your mind. Christians will not see eye to eye on everything. Hello. I thought I'd get a gasp or something. Christians will not see eye to eye on everything. What? No, seriously. And so usually we, we handle this one of two ways and it's the wrong way. First of all, we just, we just assume that we're right and we're the only ones that are right. We got to figure it out. The way we were raised, that's the way we do it. Like, man, I was raised in the church. We use hymnals. Where are your hymnals? Why'd you come to grace? You'll have no hymnals. I don't even think you sang a hymn this morning. What is going on? That's not the way we do it. I, that's, Jesus does not like the music. Maybe it's how you dress, where you go, what you eat, what you drink. You know what I love is that God unpacks us of our baggage. And what, what he does is he brings us to an awareness that our standard of righteousness is not my tradition. Our standard of righteousness is what he said and what his word says. I used to think self-righteousness had everything to do with just putting all my confidence in my works. No, it's just where I think that I am the standard of righteousness. Nobody in here is the standard of righteousness. God is righteous. Only God is righteous. But I think there's another wrong way that we handle this. It's just like, let's just act like everybody's right. Well, that's stupid too. I'm, I'm saying like really strong words. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. My wife's gonna say, you said stupid way too many times. Okay, so here's the thing. Like I was watching an interview on, they were doing some new special. This, it was either yesterday or Friday. And a person was being interviewed said, you know, I just want them to have their truth and I'm gonna have my truth. And I'm watching, I'm like, and I, I like pause and I told Laura like, that is the stupidest thing. How can you have your truth and they have their truth? I mean, is this true? What's truth? I mean, there's got to be truth somewhere. So, so here's my thing. Relativism isn't the issue. Because it's funny because, you know, your truth can be your truth as long as it doesn't interfere with my truth. When it interferes with my truth, you're not true anymore. So you really don't want them to have their truth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like at some point, we, we get judgmental when, uh, of those who we think are being judgmental. Like, oh, I'm all for tolerance, but I'm intolerant against you if you're intolerant. Oh, that's stupid. Okay, so the issue is not self-righteousness. I said stupid again. The issue is not <laughs> self-righteousness. The issue is not, the, the right way to hit this is not, is not relativism. What is the, the right way to address this? Or two things that, that Paul's going to hit here in Romans 14 and the first of 15. I got to make some ground here. The first thing is, is this. We have to begin by acknowledging what God's work is. Okay, this is really important. Like, I'm just, this is just an overview. This is what it looks like. This is what the gospel looks like in real life, even among other believers. Because like, we, you know, we'll blow up people. 
other believers on Facebook, social media, whatever, we, we just blow, it's just stupid. That's not, that's not what God wants. What am I, I gotta get rid of stupid. Um, we acknowledge God's responsibility. So three things, that's what, or four things I, I, I wanna hit real quick. First of all, it's God alone who saves. We can't save anybody. So, so there are times when we have a savior complex and we wanna change people, I'm gonna save you. We, I can't save, you can't save, only God can save. Can we all acknowledge that? Okay, all in favor say aye. aye. Beautiful. All opposed? Okay. <laughs> God alone changes and sanctifies people. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We, I, can't, I can't change you. Now, I, like, like we can put rules in place like, and we try to get people to morally conform. I remember when I was a kid, I was part of a church and there was a guy there that uh, I heard about this later. A person had responded to an invitation. Man had, had, had prayed for Christ to, to, to save them from their sins. On the way out the door, this, this guy caught him at the door and said, hey, listen, if you really were saved, he said, before you come back, you're gonna do these seven things. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And it was all what you wear, what you stop doing. What, and the, the pastor literally called him out in front of him, which I love, I love my pastor, he was awesome. He said, no, nah, I don't think so. It's not, you're way out of line. Well, it's funny because we would say that's out of line, but the reality is when it's people close to us, even, not, maybe it's not just within the church, maybe it's within the home. When it comes to our kids and our grandkids, we want to change them. Now listen to me. In this room, we have many parents and grandparents who are carrying a burden for their children. And I want to acknowledge that. And that is a wonderful, please, you keep praying. You keep believing. You keep living the life. You keep modeling. But at some point, you have to trust God to do his work, and you got to stop trying to do God's work for him. And I say that kindly. L listen, when, when, when I say, we know that we weren't changed because somebody else changed us. It doesn't mean that you, that you like if, if they, there comes a point where you move from being their coach and, and you're going to be a consultant, Right? It doesn't mean that, that you don't live the life, that, that, that you don't take advantage of some of those opportunities that you have to, to offer caution and, and all of that. I'm not but what I'm saying is the burden and responsibility for changing your kid, your grandkid, your neighbor, the person sitting next to you does not rest on your shoulders. It is God's work and it's God's work alone. You see, a lot of times we want to get everybody to be carrying the same baggage that we're doing. We want everything to go the way we, and it's not always gonna be that way. You see, it's God alone who saves. It's God alone who, who sanctifies. But what Paul is, is specifically making the point, of, point on here in Romans 14, it is God alone who judges. Look at verse four. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. What he's saying is you're not the master of the person that you're trying to change. You, you cannot, that, that person disagrees with you. It's like, well, I just, if I can just, I'm gonna present an awesome argument, they'll come over to my side. No, that's, that's not the way it goes. He's like, no, he's going to stand before his own master. And I like what he says. He will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Lord's able to do what he's going to do. But then in verses 10 through 12, Paul sums this up when he says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, I want you to catch this. Every one of us will give an account of everybody else to God. Now, that's not what it says. Every, each of us will give an account of himself to God. 
He'll give an account of him, himself to God. Th- th- this is a sobering reality. We, we're going to stand before God. We aren't going to have to, it's not the great white throne judgment. If we are in Christ, we, we, we are saved from death to life, okay? But there is gonna be a time that we stand before God and we're not gonna give an account of our brother or our sister, our kids or our grandkids. We are gonna give an account of ourselves. And what Paul is doing, he is kindly reminding those who find it so important that, that I'm right and you understand how wrong you are. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't know their motives. You can evaluate fruit. You can't discern their motives. And that's why he says in verse nine, I'm sorry, verse six, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. Listen, you're frustrated because of, 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 you know, it's like, why are you making this a big deal? Relax. They're doing it for the right motives. They they wanna do it for the Lord. They they might not understand fully the freedom that they have, but let God teach them. Let God do his work. They're doing it for the right reasons. He goes on to say, the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. It's like, oh man, I don't know how you can do that and still call yourself a Christian. Well, here's the deal. They're doing it in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none none of us dies to himself. If we live, listen, if we're a believer, this is it. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we die or whether we live, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Here's a, here's a key thing. When Jesus came into town on the donkey and they're shouting Messiah, literally what they're, what, you know, they're, they're looking for someone to be their king, the mighty king. And can I tell you that Christ came to be Savior and King, Savior and Lord, but not a, a, a king that's going to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to be Lord of everything, including the church, including who we are, how we interact. Listen, this was part of his plan. And you're like, oh man, but, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned for them. They don't see the light. They don't have the same baggage that I do. Okay. You got some... Got some things to do. First of all, Paul says, acknowledge God's responsibilities. His responsibilities aren't yours. You aren't big enough to pick up the king's scepter. But there, you, do have, you do have responsibilities. We acknowledge his, but we accept our responsibilities. So what's this look like? I'm going to spend the rest of my time, the next few minutes, just hitting this. What are our responsibilities? Well, first, he says this. If, if you're a person... You don't carry the same baggage as someone else. You're stronger in the faith. He says, welcome the weak. Welcome them. And, 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 and you're like, what? what's that even mean? Well, he, he explains this because that, that word welcome, it's a, the, the Greek word that's translated welcome is a, is a strong word. In fact, if you go to verse three, he, it talks about, he, he uses that same word again when he talks about the fact that God has already welcomed the, the weak brother. He's like, don't, don't be setting up a wall where God himself has already said, you're mine. Don't be cutting somebody off in your mind saying, oh yeah, they got problems. They, they probably are, they, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm worried about a bunch of liberal compromisers or whatever. No, chill. Don't, don't cross the line. If God's welcomed them, we're called to welcome them. Welcome the weak, not to quarrel. No, no. It's interesting because I love what, he, what Paul does. Romans 14.1 to Romans 15.7. This is a whole section that all goes together. It's bracketed by this word welcome. He ends what, what he says in Romans 15.7 by saying, 
Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Okay, so how do we welcome? We welcome the same way God's welcomed us. Did God save you because you knew so much? Did you, did, did you need to be saved because you had your life, you had it all together. Your traditions were the best traditions. God, here I am, ready to go, let's do this. No, no, he, he saved you. Every person that's here that's a son or daughter of God was saved by grace through faith. And by the way, the reason why, you gotta understand, you needed grace. If you haven't figured it out, you, got, that, that, you needed grace. Like the person next to you, like, yeah, I know, they needed, they needed grace. We are saved by grace through faith. He said, welcome, as, as you were, that's, that's, how, that's how Christ welcomed us. Not on the basis of who we were because of the junk, the things we had wrong. No, what he does is he welcomes us and then God begins the work of changing us. He calls us something that we're not and then makes us into what he called us. He changes us and calls us saints. And you're like, I'm not a saint. Yeah, <laughs> you are because I said you are, but I'm gonna make you practically what, you, what, I've, what I've called you theoretically. That's what God does. And so we got this, this, whole, this whole thing. You see, we're not called to divide over differences. We, man, we make things spiritual that aren't spiritual. Like, we, we, like, for instance, you know, a person's going through a crisis. I don't think they're walking through this. They're not showing very much faith. They're going through the valley right now. Give them a stinking break. God, God does different things in different seasons of life. Well, I'll tell you what, I... That person, I'm worried about them. I heard they don't, have, they don't start off their day with devotions. They, they pray right before they go to bed. I'm going to tell you why. There's some people, they don't need to pray in the morning because their prayers ain't going to make sense to themselves or God. God's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you, you know what? They don't, they, they don't read the Bible out of a book. They read it out, off a phone. Oh, for crying out loud. I'm just glad you're in the Word. There's, no, there's nothing, it's, it's God's Word that makes a difference. We didn't always have this book, but I don't know if you knew this. It was actually on scrolls and stuff. Anyway, hold this thing. <laughs> oh, some of you introverts, you're not sure that extroverts have the religion. You're just annoying. You, you, seriously, come on, introverts. You know, like people like me, you hate me. Like, like you're like, right now I want to leave. I, I just, you're stressing me out. I had, I had a lady that, that went here and she was like, here, and then she was gone. I'm like, man, what happened to her? And so we, we, had, we were selling something on, uh, on Craigslist or something, and she, she, I guarantee you she didn't know it was me or they wouldn't have showed up. They, they show up, and, and, uh, and I'm like, hey, where have you been? And she's like, oh, man. She goes, hey, listen, here's the deal. She said, I don't be offended while I'm going to say I'm like, no, I won't get offended. What, what's going on? She goes, it's just that you're so loud. <laughs> And, and she said, man, every time, she said, I love the church, everybody's friendly. She said, but every time you talk to me, like, it's, like everybody's looking at me, I think. And she said, I, I literally started stressing out, going, she was like, what if Keith talks to me? Everybody's gonna notice that I'm here. And she said, I just had to go to a quiet church. I'm like, that is cool, man, I get that. That is, that is good, that's good. So I, I, listen, I get that. Like, seriously, why don't we have a sign? Like, if I come up to you, just go like this or something like that. I'm like, we're good, we're good, we're good. All right, we're good. I'm cool, I'm cool. I'll, I'll stay away from you. That way you don't have to leave, we're good. Um, 
But then on the other hand, you know, like extroverts are like, oh, those introverts are stuck up people. They, they just, they're mean. They're not friendly. They're, do, they do not have the gift of hospitality. Yeah, they probably don't. Like, I don't even think they're like people. Some introverts are like, yeah, that's true. We don't. But no, we, we make all the, listen, can I tell you that God gave us all different personalities and he'll change your heart and he'll change your mind, but he won't always change your personality. Don't make something spiritual that's not spiritual. I'm getting, I'm spending way too long. Welcome, welcome the weak brother. You know, I, I gotta say this. One of my favorite uh, pastors, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, if you've ever studied back in the, you know, way back in the day, but um, he would always get criticized because he used humor in his messages. In fact, the lady came up to him, just giving him the what for after he preached one time. And he said, lady, you would esteem me much more highly if you knew what I left out. I'm like, that's my boy right there. <laughs> Another time he had a young man, very sincere, came to him and he said, I have been gifted this box of cigars and I don't know what to do with them. And Spurgeon said, son, give them to me. I will smoke them to the glory of God. <laughs> He's going to hell. <laughs> no, he might smell like it, but he's not going there. <laughs> now, welcome the weak brother. But then Paul, t- I got to keep moving. Romans 14, 13. He said, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Don't pass judgment on disputable matters. That's what he's saying. That's our responsibility. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. We've got to figure out the difference, church, between dogma, doctrine, and opinions. Dogma, I'll take a bullet for. I'll take a bullet for the fact that, that we serve a risen Savior, that he walked out of a grave. We, Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. I will die for the fact that, that, we, that, that Jesus died on the cross because of his sacrifice, we can be saved. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not taking a bullet for some of my strong beliefs on predestination. I have opinion. I, I, I shouldn't say opinion. I mean, I even have a theological position that I, that I hold to. But at the end of the day, they're, they're, it's, it's the, they're, everybody has there's some good arguments on both sides. There are all kinds of things we, we can argue about and, and fight, about, fight about. But can I tell you that there are going to be Calvinists in heaven. There are going to be Arminians in heaven. And if you don't know what that means, you're cool. You're good. There are going to be Nazarenes in heaven. There are going to be Baptists in heaven. Presbyterians in heaven. Lutherans in heaven, Methodists in heaven. Thank God there are going to be some Pentecostals in heaven. They're bringing the party. No. No, we're, no listen. Listen, here's my thing. If we're going to spend eternity together there, we've we got to learn how to get along together here and see the gospel has practical implications. It does, it's not some theoretical thing. Oh, I believe, and it's belief only. Belief only, it always moves to practice. But then he says, love enough to limit your freedom. And throughout the rest of, of Romans chapter 14, he says, if your brother's grieved by what you eat, verse 15, you are no longer walking in love. Like when you know there's a problem, and you're like, I'm gonna change them. And I, you bless God, I have the right to do whatever I wanna do. When you're with somebody who, who's a, listen, you're not walking in love towards them. Limit your freedom. He says, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Because the the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking or fill in the blank with whatever your baggage happens to be. But the the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God. 
and approved by men. And then he leaves us with this in verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Pursue what builds up. And then what he says in Romans 15, one through two, he said, just understand, we have an obligation to those who are weak. We have an obligation to bear with the failings or yeah, with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. And by the way, can I just tell you that that takes humility? It takes humility to limit because we always want to say, I'm right, I, I got my rights. Yeah, but don't let your rights supersede your responsibilities. You see, the gospel has practical impact. It changes who we are here. It changes who, who, how we interact with each other, what it looks like in our homes, what it looks like within the church. Verse 2 of chapter 15, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. He says to follow Christ's example in verse 3, Christ emptied himself. He got rid of his rights to save. The reason we have this life is because Christ humbled himself emptied himself. Baggage for us sometimes, it's just like, this is the way. No, what he says is, is let go of the baggage. We all have this different thing. We're all going to look at things differently from time to time, but when it comes to disputable matters, pursue what builds up. And he leaves us with this great prayer that I leave you with in verse 5 of Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And let me just leave you with this big point. When God's people live in love and grace, God gets the glory. And so we're going to walk out of here. You're, you guys on your way out are going to grab your cards to invite people to Easter services. To pay it forward, grab them, buy somebody's lunch, buy, somebody's, uh, buy somebody coffee or whatever the case happens to be. But guys, can I tell you what is going to be most winsome about the people of God is the love that marks us. And so, Father, for what you're going to continue to do in and through your people as we go, for what you're going to do in and through your people as we grow, God, for how you're going to continue your work of unburdening us of the baggage that we hold on to, God, I'm praying that in the meantime that we would understand that we're all on at different points on this journey. We all are, are walking in light, but, but sometimes... A person has different light than we do at this point of the journey. And so, God, may we trust you to do your work. May we be faithful to do your work. And for what you're going to do as this love is made manifest, even within the family of God, for how that's going to draw others, we're going to give you the praise because you're going to get the glory. The fruit's going to come, and we can't wait to see what you have in store. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said? Amen. Great to have you here. Can't wait to see you next week. It's going to be great. Grab your card on your way out. You're dismissed.